Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you something, people. Uh, last night, I, I got a little buzz going. I, I had an audition for some creepy guy, which is that's the thing lately. I've been auditioning for creepy guys. So I stopped home and I had a few beers uh, before I got home. And I got a mailer about the Jersey Shore, a place called the Desert Sands in uh, Avalon, New Jersey. And I stayed there two years ago, and I'm sitting there, and, and it's so funny when you get a little buzz, your mind wanders, and I have a little cash to burn. So I sat there, and I told Joanne, I was like, we're going, we're going for five days. So I, I just booked a trip to New Jersey for for five days before May 22nd. Everyone's like, well, you should go when it's summer. I'm like, I live in California. It's always summer. I can drive 20 Check miles the to the beach. behind the mic and learn more about And something just cut me off. That's weird. I, 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 you know, but I got to tell you, it's, uh, but I found out now Springsteen's going to be there uh in Hershey, Pennsylvania on May 14th. So I'm, I'm going to go to uh, see Springsteen, which brings me to my guest, which I saw him years ago at the uh, Improv Olympic. He was in a shark beer mice or something like that. With, uh, an, is that what it was called? Beer shark mice. Beer shark mice. It's, uh, it's Peter Holm. How you doing, Peter? Good, buddy. And I got to tell you, people, I, I sat there and I, I, you know, as I always do my research, and this guy, hands down, does the best Springsteen. And I, you know me, I love, I've seen Bruce 15 times. I have every one of his albums. I have bootlegs i have videos and i did my research on them and i put on do 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 your job which is now stuck in my head which i know if i'm not going to tell it to joanne because she'll say shut up but if i was to go out on the way up from the studio i might stop out for lunch i'm going to sit there and my friend has a computer at the bar i'm going to go hey put this on that first of all were you a Springsteen fan at all? We'll get to her, but I mean, oh, you, yeah. you you look. I mean, you you got you have it down. I mean, yeah. Did people tell you you look like yeah, Bruce? Well, or? I mean, when when I first got into Springsteen, uh, growing up in Chicago, I used to, you know, we'd always constantly listen to the live album all the time, and you know, a lot of it was a lot more acoustic and slower, and you just you could hear the words a little bit more, you understood it more, and I just fell in love with Springsteen. You know, I love the river. Um, well, the river's great because he always tells the stories. Yeah, the stories. And that's and, what I loved about Springsteen. Plus, he was a working man. He was a you know blue-collar guy. And I was always like, I, I idolized him. I just loved his music. I loved what he talked about and what he sang about. He was a poet, you know, and everything. And uh, so when I was able to... You know, I used to do it at parties all the time, and I would just impersonate them all. Could the you? Time. I, I've done it too. I've said, "Oh yeah," but I can't sing. But I'm like, "Yeah, I'll tell you." It's, uh, I remember uh, back in '73. But you, I mean, so you would impersonate it? Yeah, you played. know, you just stick out your jaw a little bit. But you look like him. Like I, I look, I look more yeah, like I mean, I look I, more like Danny Federici. I used to hear all the time, and there were certain people that people would tell me that I looked like all the time, and Springsteen was one of them. And all the time, I still get it today. You know, from time to time, people go, "You know, what you look like you look like Bruce Springsteen." So I, you know, so. I, I would parlay that when I would do improv and stuff like that. I would always pull out a Springsteen bit. And so, so you you sat there one day and you said, "Okay, I'm gonna because and you grew the sideburns. I mean, it's it's perfect and it's so. I mean, he said so many looks. And the funny thing is, God, the guy's 62 and he's just in amazing still looks shape. great. Like everyone's saying when he was on uh, with Jimmy Fallon a few weeks ago, they're like, "Look at his arms!" Oh, and I'm like, God, he's 62. Yeah. So so you sat there and you had this idea to do this. Video. Yeah, I, I you know uh, over the years, you know, like I said, I would impersonate him for friends and stuff like that, and I would do it on stage all the time and improv. You know how much money you make doing improv. So uh, I was like, maybe I should do something with this. And uh, so I came up with this idea and I brought in a couple buddies, uh, Jim Wise, uh, a friend of mine who's like, a, uh, you know, he's, he's a comedy writer and musician and he would always uh, play his guitar all the time all over the all over town. And also another buddy of mine who's a 
big, huge Springsteen fan back home, who's a huge guitar player, John Lamantia, and I said, here's my idea. You know, I, 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 I want to make fun of, you know, it's hard to make fun of Springsteen. How do you make fun of him? But the funny thing is when I watch it, I don't, I don't take it as making fun of him. No, I know, you... I know. And that, that's the cool thing about it, because you can't make fun of Springsteen. Right. Like How can he, you make fun of him? If he saw He's that. He's so American. He, I, I, I wonder if he's seen it, because he would love it, because that is so... Well, that's a funny, interesting story because, you know, anyway, so I got these three guys together and I said, here's the idea. I just want to you know, make fun of uh, Springsteen getting mad at people not doing their job, you know, people that are putting tip jars out, people that are just not doing the McDonald's jobs, not doing anything. And that's America across the world. So I was just kind of making fun of that whole uh, persona of, of youth, you know, the Generation X or whatever they call them now, Y, Z, A, X, Way, 1, 2, Z, 12, whatever <laughs> it is. But, you know, make fun of them just saying like, do any job, just do your job, do any job. So when we started doing that but friends of mine who uh were our conan writers and still conan writers i sent it to all of them all my buddies from second city and io in Olympic, and they and they watched it and they loved it well who was the drummer at the time max max weinberg i go you got to show it to max make sure he sees it they said he did i can't imagine he wouldn't have shown it to bruce i think it's such it's so dead on and it's so it has like the tunnel love flavor of the video it has that springsteen <laughs> and you even take it to the beach and it goes over into springfield when it, the rick Spring, it's just yeah. so funny and knowing what i know from springsteen i don't i don't think max ever saw it because max probably would have showed it to him and i guarantee you springsteen would have contacted you because yeah. he seems like you no know, he seems like that kind of guy i mean he just shows up and it's like bruce if you're listening contact yeah. me go ahead but no it's so it's so funny though and you just you have it down you have the whole thing and yeah just... I, I mean i just i always loved imitating him i love singing i you know I'm, I'm not a i was never in a band or anything but all my buddies were and so like i always would 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 sing springsteen songs and stuff and they're like man you sound just like him and i would play i play the piano and okay. can do some springsteen songs you know now as a kid were you into comedy? Because, you know, I always ask people, because we, we all take this path. And, you know, as a kid, and I, I've told the story many times, I remember seeing a Woody Allen movie. And I remember buying a Lenny Bruce album. You went into improv. You didn't go to stand-up. As a kid, did you watch comedy? Because you're, yes. you're, you're a few years younger than me, so you're you're around the yeah, beginning of the Yeah, I'm 31. Yeah. I'm 31, and, I, and I'm 38. <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but you're around the uh, SNL days. So did you watch that? Or what, yeah. what were your comedy influences as a um, kid? Well... I grew up, I'm an identical twin. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. I have an identical twin. We're mirror image twins, uh, Pete and Pat. Uh, and so I that either- like a, That sounds like a sitcom. I either, <laughs> I, I either answered to Pete Pat or Pete Pat. Some guys would go, hey, Pete Pat. They would call us Pete Pat because they didn't know who was who. Some guys would go, hey, Pete Pat, Joe Mike. You know, we would just, because they didn't know who we were. Right. And I would answer to Pat. I would answer to twin. So you never really had your own identity. And I always competed- every single minute of my life against my brother over anything drinking a glass of water eating a candy faster running down the block shooting a basket being funnier getting the girls everything if you think you compete with your brother or a friend or anything like that it's nothing like it when you're an identical twin now so, is it true about identical twins that you guys because i have a good friend who's a twin and you're actually the second person i know who's a, a twin is it true that you guys Scalar Brothers? Or is that who you're no, talking? no, no. My oh, friend right. Joff, my <laughs> friend Joffrey Warner. Joff, he's a Boston gay guy. Um, is it true that you guys finish each other's sentences? Is it, or do yeah. you guys think like you have, you have parallel thinking? I mean, I've always heard it's it's, it's like this amazing thing. Well, I I mean, you know, uh, every twin will tell you that they grow apart and grow back together and grow away from each other. But you, you know, you want to get away from each other because you're so alike all the time, uh, and you also start getting your own. Di uh, likes and, and dislikes because you just you want to be different you know um 
one thing we hated was just dressing up the same all the time. See, that always creeps me out. I was at the airport a while ago, and this lady dressed her two kids up, and they, I swear to God, they look like The Shining. Yeah. Like the kids had like the striped, red striped shirt and the pants. And I'm, and I'm thinking, why? They already look alike. Give them their own identity. Wow. Put him in green. Put him in blue. That always freaked me out. But I guess for parents, like, I mean, I have a picture of me and my brother and sister in sailor suits. We look like dicks. Yeah. But, you well, know, but your parents sit there and go, oh, this is cute. And they think it's cute. But that's then- the thing. And the, and the other thing is, is what makes me laugh is when I see kids that look, you know, and they're they're kind of like Irish twins or whatever, where they're where they're a year apart from each other, right. and they they kind of look the same, but one's a little bit taller, and they dress them the same. And you're like, who are you trying to fool? And sometimes they don't even look the same. And you're like, why one's would you black, do that? One's black, one's white. Yeah, almost. And it's like, you know, one's adopted. Yeah, it's like it's so ridiculous. I never understand that. And I I have a big. Yeah, uh, thing where I just kind of make fun of like people that are fake twins and real twins. Because you're a real twin. I'm a real twin, so I can make fun of that. You I, can. Fraternal twins? You're not a real twin. No. I got good buddies that are twins. A you're, guy and a girl can't be twins. You just, I'm sorry, no. you can't be twins. You don't look alike. You're not twins. You're brother and sister. Right, you're brother and sister. Apart. You shared the womb together. That's all you did. <laughs> That's all you did. Me, you know, my brother and I, we were we were from the same embryo. We split apart. And you look alike. And now, my ever... nose goes to the right, his goes to the left. That's really? mirror image twins. That's amazing. Okay, he's a lefty. I'm a righty. Really? Right. So you guys, my, you my, guys, like, you would have been, uh, what do they call it? Uh, the Siamese, they don't call them anymore. They call them uh, whatever. Well, Siamese twins. Conjoined. Are, conjoined but no, twins. you guys are probably would have been conjoined, but yeah. yeah right well, half. that's what an identical twin is. The embryo splits in half and starts two eggs, and and and, and the fertilization starts when they split up. Now, have you but ever, it's one sperm and one egg. Have you, splits. Have you ever, uh, God's asked nature, your, asked your parents why they dressed you the same? Well, uh, First of all, they didn't even know they were having twins back in the day. There was no sonograms and all that, uh, ultrasounds. Could you imagine that? All of a sudden you go, holy crap. That's exactly I have, what happened. I, I, I have to work overtime because I have I got two another, kids. Yeah, they didn't know that they were. They already had two. You know, I have an older brother and sister. So you're the youngest. I'm the baby because I'm three minutes younger than my brother, Pat. Now, now, did you get baby rules? Because I'm a baby. Did you get baby rules over him just for three oh, minutes? Even my brother to this day, who's my twin brother, he's three minutes. He even says to me, he goes, he goes, yeah, I'm your older brother. You got to listen to me. I'm like, shut up. But the thing is that when when he came out, he had the names of both our grandfathers. Okay, he was Patrick Alois. And that okay. was my mother's father and my my dad's father, and I was nobody. So when I came out, they were like, "What?" You know, the doctor was like, uh, "Hold on, Kate, you have another baby coming out," and she was like, "What?" And you know, boom, there I come out, and they go, uh, uh, "You're the consolation prize." That's that was my funny. name. Yeah, Const- for a while they used to call me the consolation. Connie. Prize. Hey, there's Connie, <laughs> the CP. Now, did your brother? Did your brother uh, is he a performer like you? Uh, no, but I mean, you know, we used to do things all the time because we were twins and. Uh, to get back to what you were saying, there are things today. He lives in Chicago. I live out here. There are things that happen today. Like I'm doing this. I'm doing a radio show. Something, you know, and I'll walk down the street. I'll get a, a gyro. I will bump into an old friend from high school. Something almost identical will happen to him. Don't you love that? That I, kind I, of stuff happens all the time between us. See, it's funny. I, 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 this happened to me the other day. And I don't know if it's it's not deja vu because deja vu is like happened before. I call it a uh, weird coincidence. It's like I Gilby Clark on from Guns N' Roses. I go to my car. Put on the radio. Boom. Guns N' Roses is playing. Then I was sitting there. I said to my girlfriend, I said, I got a post Carmen Argenzio's episode. I go to the gym. I sit there. It's Saturday, like eight in the morning. I mean, who's going to be there? And 
through the mirror, there's Carmen. And it's it's a coincidence, but now it must be really crazy because it happens. It, does it probably happens to... so much to you guys. You don't even, you, you're probably like. Well, we don't uh, talk like, every yeah. single day, but like, you know, every four or five days, once a week, you know, we'll, we'll chat. And once we chat, we start rehashing what's going on. And, and then the same kind of stuff's going on. Like if he's stressed out, he's got some big things going on. Same thing happens to me. Now, you know, it's kind of coincidental when it's really that interesting when he goes, hey, I went to this greasy spoon. I got a. I got a, a sandwich I never had before, you know, whatever. I mean, a, a peanut butter and banana sandwich. I don't know why. I did the same thing, you know, that's, stuff like that. That's weird, right? Now, how to come, now that's very weird. First of all, you know, I mean, just like, when it comes to food, it's very weird. Now, how is it when you're twins dating? I mean, because, like, do girls, like, <laughs> like has, has it ever that happened? Always, that is always one question that ha- comes up every because time. Because it's so good. It's like a, the, the girl, like, you're you're a funny guy. You're an actor. So, like, when you're younger, they're probably going, well, he's the younger one by three minutes, and he's the funny one. But they look alike. <laughs> yeah, but he's sort of stuffy. Does, did that ever come into play, like, there's a girl you really liked, but she liked your brother instead? You're probably uh, sitting there yeah. going, why? Yeah, I know. I look the same. Yeah, that happened to both of us from time to time in college, high school, whatever. I mean, that would happen. But, you know, we're, we're very similar, but we do have different personalities, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, my brother's a little more rough and gruff, I think he would say. Well, you're <laughs> L.A. You're, you've, been, you've been L.A.'d. So. Yes, I'm a little more metrosexual, I guess. But uh, he, uh, but there was only one time. There was one time my brother had a girl and he brought her home. And uh, he, he had a, a room in the basement. And I came home late and I had an early night and whatever. And, and I was like, he came upstairs to get a drink of water for her or something. And I go, what? Who is she? I don't even know her name. So I go, all right, great. Just give me the water. Uh, give me your underwear. Because all he had was a pair of underwear. I'm going to go down there. you know. And I'll pretend I'm you. And he's like, all right, go ahead. So <laughs> I go down there and bring her the water. But I didn't bring whatever else she wanted. Let's say it was like uh, an apple. A or a bread, Something. Yeah, just yeah. something. And I forgot to bring it. And he didn't tell me. And I don't know to this day if he did it on purpose. So I walk in there. And I gave her, I go, hey, here you go. And I tried to get in the sack and start doing what he was doing. And next thing you know, she's like, hey, where's my whatever it was? And I go, I don't know. What do you mean? Don't worry about it. You know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm being handsy. And she's like, get out of here. It's Peter. And, you know, she flipped on the light. That's too funny. So so you said college. Now, did you go to, did you get, did you start performing in high school? Or when did you start getting performing? Did you go to perform in college? Well, uh, high school was when I started. My buddy Mike uh, McCauley was like, hey, there's this all-girl high school, St. Scholastica in Chicago, uh, w- needs guys to be in the place. And I'm like, I'll do that. So we go there, we audition, and I got a part. I didn't think I was going to get it. I was really going with him, and I just loved it. You know. Um, now, when I was younger, you know, my parents used to watch All in the Family, Carol Burnett show. Uh, we used to watch a lot of uh, BBC stuff because my mother's from Ireland, and we used to watch uh, um, the Two Ronnies. You ever remember that show? The two uh, two guys, uh, English show. Uh, Dave Allen at large. Okay. Uh, Monty Python. Of course. Um, all those things. Benny Hill. Um, but anyways, we used to watch all those, and I just loved that kind of stuff. SCTV, Saturday Night Live. Um, so uh, I was into it. So anyways, I, I go in there, and I audition. I get the part, and I loved it. I, I got hooked right away, and then I saw a Second City show in Chicago, and it just right away I, I loved doing the performance. So that's how I kind of got started was doing doing that. And I also performed or took a class at the Piven Theater Workshop, which Jeremy, is Burn Piven, Jeremy, Jeremy Piven's, Piven's dad. dad. Yeah. Now, how far were you from 
downtown Chicago, like where all this stuff was. Did you were you were you? Oh, I grew I grew up on the north side of Chicago, Rogers Park, which is you know uh, on the north side, very end of the north side, but on the close to the lake. So it was very accessible for you to sit there and go to Second City and stuff like that. Oh yeah, it's like 15, 20 minutes away back in the day. You know. So you, where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to a few different places. I went to Northeastern uh, and Columbia college and then back to isu with my brothers because columbia, columbia film school yeah that's big and acting and then back to columbia again i finished up with columbia as a an advertising art major because i was an artist and a uh theater minor so you, you get out of columbia so you do you sit there and then infiltrate the chicago scene or, or how did how did that all come because i know you ended up being in la where i saw you years ago at yeah, yeah. olympic but how did how did that all start well, uh, it started because some of my teachers at Columbia were Second City teachers. Okay. Um, but I was also taking classes at the time at Second City because I fell in love with the form. You know, I w- used to watch it all the time. You could see the improv at 11 o'clock. You used to go in there and watch these guys perform. And that was like uh, um, the guys like Farley, uh, Mike Myers, Joe Liss uh, were all on stage doing it. Um, uh, Steve Sheridan. Uh, so anyways, I-, I would watch Bonnie Hunt was one, uh, Holly Wartell. Uh, it's really amazing. Don't want to keep the girls out. Yeah, I mean, but they, it, they were really funny. It's a, it, it's an amazing like the the roster. It's like oh yeah, you know it, you sit there and could you think you know of you know comics or comics in New York was a mecca. I mean Boston and Philly comics would go to New York, but Chicago developed so many stars. I mean like not like like of the comics you know there's Louis C K there's Chris Rock there's there's not big stars but Chicago the the improv there's so many damn Big, big, yeah. Even like not Mike Myers, Wayne, but Mike Myers was huge, and just so many people. It's amazing. Well, I mean, that's because of Second City, you know. And Second City was the be all end all, and everybody wanted to go there, and everybody wanted to be on stage, and that was that. Well, you know, Del Close was a part of the Second City, and he was also part of SNL and Belushi and Aykroyd and all that Bill Murray days, and uh, so he left and branched off and started with Sharna Halpern, and that's how the Improv Olympics started. Right, uh, and then while I was at Second City classes, somebody goes, "Hey, if you want to get on stage, I'm pretty sure it was Brian McCann and Brian Stack. They were like, you got to go down to uh, Improv Olympic. You get stage time. What? And you know, she used to do it in bars and anywhere right. she could put up a show on top of a garbage truck. She didn't care. And so we uh, we were able to. I was able to get in there, and I loved it. I fell in love with the whole Harold. You've heard of that, right? Yeah, Harold. yeah. Harold's a H E R A L D. Not Har- people just you know it's not Harold. It's Harold. Like the paper, the Harold. Right? Yeah, H A R. Like Harold, H- the name Harold. Oh, I thought it was Harold. H-E- I think they just came up with it. I don't. I should know this, but somebody just said, "Well, what should we call this form?" The Harold, and okay. it was just the name of a. It didn't mean anything. It's kind of like beer shark mice that you were asking. It was like, <laughs> it's another story. But anyways, uh, so. Uh, we, um, so I got in there and I started performing. Now, when I came into uh, Improv Olympic, I was around such phenomenal people still to this day, around Second City, Improv Olympic at the time. There was other places called the Improv Institute, the Annoyance Theater, uh, all that was going on. And I was taking classes at everywhere, every, each and every one of okay. them. You know, and going to school at Columbia and doing it there as well. So I was just being bombarded with improv. And I wanted to do stand-up. You know, I, I did. I had a I had a, a fix for it, an itch for it, because I used to go to stand-up routines all the time. But for some reason, there was something cool about just creating something out of nothing. Right. That's so funny, because it's like I've, as my improv background is, I mean, there was a show we used to do in Florida. When you'd be in this club for two weeks, the comic strip. And one night, they had an improv group after the show. Uh-huh. And then we'd get drunk in the back. And then 
we'd get up and we'd improv, but we sucked. We just we're, I mean, four comics, you know, you're, you're, you know, and I was always a giving comic, but you have the guy stepping on the punch, like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, and just like oh, and it's like it's, just, it's so funny because like improv people aren't like that because you train differently. Right. You can always tell improv people and comics at a party because the improv people are the people sitting down, but the comics every time they make a point they have to stand up, and <laughs> and it's the god's eye truth. Like a comic, if you sit there, you notice that next time you go to a party because you're so used to with the mic, but like improv, like. Hanging out, having fun. Kind right. of like, hey, uh, hey, Peter, how you doing? You yeah, know, and it's, it's just it's just funny. So, uh, well, you know what's funny about that too is like we we kind of make fun of that as well as improvisers because if you're doing a bit and coming up with things, sometimes comics think that you don't know that that's that funny. If you're doing a bit, you know, and we're making fun of a wallet or something, we're going on and heightening it and heightening it and making fun of it and blah blah blah, and all of a sudden you can see the wheels turning in a comic's head, like, oh my god, that could be a funny bit. Right, I, I could put that up on my stand-up, and then they're like, going, and then they start adding to it, and you're like, going, yeah, we already did that bit, and you're just kind of changing it a little right. bit That's to so try funny. to make it their own, and well, it makes me laugh when I'm around that. Well, it, it's so true, and the funny thing also is with, when it comes to improv, like you, as a comic, you know, you, you learn how to talk to the crowd. I mean, if you want to work, you, you learn that, and you sit there sometimes, and you'll do an improv bit, you'll improv a joke, right, and then you'll remember, it, you'll write it down. And then the funny thing is you always incorporate it into your act, but people think you're improving and it's a setup. And it's so funny when I would sit there, people go, man, that bit you do. They go, you always nail that fake laugh. And I go, yeah, I know, because it looks like it came off my head. But with improv, it actually does come off your head. Yeah. It's, it's not thing. So, I mean, and I've always thought it must be, is it ever scary? I mean, because you, you sit there, they, sure. you, you get a situation where people go, you know, uh, a duck and a... A duck in a diner, and you sit there and go, "Yeah, it sounds funny, but it's not funny." I mean, what do you do when when you just think that like people suggest something? What do you do when the situation sucks? Well, the thing is that you got to take the first suggestion; otherwise, it looks like you're picking and choosing what you okay. want to do. You know what I mean? It's like if somebody says, uh, "Can we get a suggestion? Anything at all?" Duck, uh, basement, mm, right? A, a, a record player? Sure, I'll do record player. It also dates me, um, but an album. I, 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 I actually I posted on Facebook. <laughs> LP. I, I was I was upstairs in my apartment and uh, I had the window open and uh, the birds were chirping and I'm like, this reminded me of college when we would sit there on a Saturday and spring would be in New Jersey and we put an album on and I still call them the albums. I still sure. I still say an album or hey get that cassette. But actually I have a cassette player in my car. <laughs> That's how old my car is. But uh, so 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 but, yeah. So you. But, uh, I mean, you got to go with the first thing you hear, and all it is is just really committing to whatever it is. If, you, if you're going to be a duck, you know, Dell used to say, be the best duck you, you, you right. possibly can be. And be the smartest duck. Don't be just a stupid duck, you know? It's also like if you're a kid, don't be, uh, uh, be a kid at the, at the top of his intelligence. Don't be a kid that's, like, pooping his pants and right. picking his nose. It's like, who cares about that? Anybody can do that, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, improvising is just, you just got to go with it. And uh, go with it hardcore, you know what I mean? Like, you got to really go after it and really, really commit to it, you know? So you're doing it You're doing it in Chicago, and you're working at improv and other things. When do you sit there and say, okay, and I've heard a lot of people from Chicago say, you hit a ceiling where you go, there's, I have to go to L.A. Right. I mean, at what point, how long were you in the game when that happened to you? Well, I, I started seeing guys that I knew uh, started getting picked out of things, either by Improv Olympic, where they would be pumped, picked out of that and put into uh, 
Second City and be on the main stage, start being on the touring company. And, you know, sometimes you were just like, what the hell? How long does this have to take for me? How long? How many times do I have to audition for this? And so some guys were going in and getting getting on stage. Uh, you know, some guys were being picked and, and being writers for the Conan show at the time uh, when they first started. Uh, Andy Richter and uh, uh, Brian Stack, Brian McCann, John Glazer, Kevin Dorff, all those guys started going out for that. And then all of a sudden you were like, what's going on? When, when, when is it my shot? Right, right. You know? uh, I got into... Finally, after the fourth or fifth time, I didn't care about Second City. I was having so much fun uh, improvising and doing stuff there. Uh, all of a sudden, Improv Olympics started getting better than Second City. Uh, the, the form was better. The, it was edgier. It was cooler. It was hipper. Um, and then they were like, yeah, yeah, we want you to be a, a tour and tour on the touring company. And I did that for a while, and then I was just like, man, this is, we're, we're actually doing old bits because you had to do the old bits from that were working to go on the touring company and then okay. you had a little bit of time to improvise you know and you'd go on these so you're doing sketches pretty much sketches yeah that were that that had been around since the 80s and 90s you know and you were like what are we what, what are we doing this for you know why can't we create our own and then they wanted you to write things and you did and you were able to do it but it just took forever that, that machine took too long to get you on the main stage so i did it for a while and then all of a sudden i got uh flown out to i got a part on celtic pride with my twin brother they needed twins to play, but he wasn't doing any of the. He wasn't doing anything. I actually, my uh, agent at the time, he goes, "You're an identical twin." And I go, "Yeah." And he, he uh, his name was Mickey Grossman. God rest his soul, great guy. Actually, took both my pictures, my headshots, crossed out one of my names and put Patrick and send it in. <laughs> and they go, "Come on, are you serious?" And he goes, "No, seriously, he's an identical twin." And he goes, "All right, put him on tape." So we put him on tape, and it was just a great, cool kind of Hollywood story. Well, that was uh, Damon Wayans and Damon uh, Wayans, Ackroyd, and, and Colin, Daniel Stern. I know Colin. Quinn was also in it and Jeff he wrote Moss. it actually that was his it was, Colin yeah oh Colin I didn't know Colin wrote it and actually Farley was supposed to they were trying to get Farley to play the Ackroyd part um, and then he passed he passed away so so you, you you come out here they shoot it out here no they shot that in Boston okay so, so here my brother and I go out to Boston for you know three months uh, so you were, the, months. you were the whole set you were, yeah we you were, were there the whole time because we were in the in every scene because it was a lot of basketball scenes and this that and the other. Were we were the, the sag, buddies were you getting the sag money Oh, we were loving it. It was the best. My and brother, they put you up. So you guys yeah, my were brother thought, My brother thought, no wonder you're an actor. This is the best thing in the world. So you, flying you first class from here to New York. It was unbelievable. So was you're horrible. in Boston, and they put you up probably in a nice place. Uh, in the Four Seasons. Really? For yeah, three months? For a while, and then they put us into a, a like a home, like kind of a nice little residential place. It was awesome. It was and your days were probably short. Uh, no, a lot of times we'd have to hang around there because we were, we were basically glorified extras and background people, but also we had lines, so we were... You know, we were we were part of the movie, and, and you're eating. For we had free. lines. We eat for free, getting paid, not spending any money. It was awesome. Why didn't your brother go into acting? Well, <laughs> it's, like, it's like sitting because, going, because like, like I said before, he wanted to do his own thing. Okay. He didn't want to do it, but he was still to this day. He goes, he goes, come on, man, get another twin thing. Because you know, we did that. We we've done commercials together, um, and and he just loves it. He wants to do more. You know, but. That's so funny. So you do Celtic Pride. And so so, so, so now you have, I, a, you have a credit. So now I, you're, I had a pretty good credit. I came back and uh, all of a sudden my agent was like, hey, here's a script for this TV show. Why don't you read it? And Mark Hirschfeld was casting and uh, I read it and uh, we sent it in, a tape at the time. And they go, we, we like him. We're going to fly him out. Well, they flew me out to L.A. Had you been here before? Never been here before. And I was like, just to be flown out there was enough. I was like, oh, oh my yeah. God, I did it. And another a problem with Chicagoans or Midwest people, and maybe this is other places as well, you feel like, uh, you probably shouldn't pick me. 
I, I appreciate you even considering me, but you don't really want me, do you? You just have that little Midwestern way and attitude about it. That's everywhere. Though. And it's kind of sad. It's like the people that go after it, you know, you watch American Idol or whatever, if you do or don't, or if you have. X Factor can got canceled. X, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but all those kind of shows, it's like you can see the audition process. The people that come in and nail it and go, I am the best. I'm here. I'm not cocky. I'm humble, but I'm still, I'm really unique and different. Those are the people that get cast. You know, it's not the people that come in and are meek. They're like, thank you so much. I'm just going to do it. No, okay. No, what? No. Okay. I'll see you later. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And then you leave. Well, those people are never going to get cast. Right. Know? And that's what happened to me when I came out. But when I came back to well, Chicago, what, was, what was the show? Was it a pilot? It was, it was a or, sitcom. I don't okay. even know the name. So, of it. but they 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 just they seen you and, and they saw me and, and right away I could tell they were, they were like, okay, thanks a lot. And I was like, uh, you want me to read it again? No, that's good. That's enough. And I'm sure they closed the door. What the hell did you see in that guy? Well, look at the tape. It was pretty good. He's unique. Right. He's young looking. You know, uh, just it didn't happen. So I the next day I was on a flight, went back home, and I kind of you know thought to myself, you know what? I really if I'm going to do this, I got to go out there for real. And I told my agent at the time. And they were like, mm, you're not ready. And then one of their agents that was out on the West Coast came in and said, we want you to meet with him. We met. And he goes, this guy's definitely ready. Get him out there. Isn't it funny how like agents know when you're not ready or not? And it's so funny because so many people aren't ready. It's like with comedy. There's so many people that get do that eight minutes and they kill. And then they go on the road and they have to do 45 minutes because they're headlining. And the feature with the feature, which is just, you, there's so many road comics that are just so strong and people can call them hacks or whatever but they just they're funny and they know and they've been doing comedy for years and they go in and they do 30 minutes and they see some young like you said i don't i shouldn't be here right and they just go i'm gonna smoke this jerk every night and it happens but but so many people when people say you're ready or not ready which only you know if you're ready i mean did you feel you were ready um when i went out to la yeah yeah but i just didn't have the uh i don't know I, I just it wasn't the confidence it was I was definitely had the confidence I just didn't for whatever reason they could just see something that was raw and nobody just really you know bit into it right away but I mean when I got out here uh, I had a great time it was fun I went out here for pilot season you know when they well, so you, you went back to Chicago then you came out here for pilot season and then I said I gotta move out there so I moved out to LA and uh, started auditioning and where I was, was your first place where'd you move uh, I was in uh, Silver Lake. I took okay. over Jay Leggett's apartment. God rest his soul. He passed away. But he uh, was nice enough to go, Holy, if you're going out there for a while, just take my place. I'm going to be gone anyways. Why don't you take my place? You can pay me rent. And he gave me his car. He goes, how are you going to get around? I go, I don't know. Take a cab. He goes, what are you, crazy? Take my car, you idiot. And he gave me his keys. And I was like, Unbelievable. He gave me a great deal. And like, Silver Lake wasn't like hip then. It was it was different. Like now it's like hipster yeah, central. Yeah, it wasn't that. This was 96. Right. And so I was driving around with, with his Datsun 280ZX with the T-tops and feeling I was like uh, Joe Cool and had a blast. You know, it was a, a lot of fun. And I was getting, I was booking commercials and voiceovers left and right. So did you, when you came out, did you, you had an agent out here that was Yeah, in and I had a manager too that was, that was helping me out at the time. And, um... So I was I was out here doing all of it, and uh, and then all of a sudden I go, all right, I'm gonna go home and, and move, you know. And my agents were like, what? What do you mean you're leaving? You're you're doing great. I go, I gotta go home and get my stuff. So I went home, got everything, moved out here, with everything. And then while I was here, my girlfriend at the time was like, what's going on? I guess we're done. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna go back again, and got married and then came back. So you, you come to L.A. and now. You start up with the Improv Olympic out here, because but Improv Olympic was was it was it around when you moved out, or it was, it's very new out here, isn't it? I mean, like twenty years old, or 
Yeah, well, at the time I was uh, at, um, in Chicago at the time before I moved out, I was doing uh, The Family. Uh, I was on I was on a couple other teams. This team called Corky's Callback with John Favreau uh, and John Glazer, uh, and so uh, all of a sudden when that was done and it kind of got disassembled, uh, th- this guy passed away from the family, and I took his spot. This other girl left. Rachel Dratch. Rachel Dratch went to Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. But at the time there was a Brady Bunch going on, the real yeah, live Brady yeah. Bunch show. Madeline Long and was in that. She got to play Cindy Brady, I think, and she. Got, she flew out to New York to do that. So the family was kind of falling apart. It was called the Victims Family at the time. And that was Adam McKay, uh, Matt Besser, Ian Roberts, um, Miles Stroth, Ali Farinakian, and this guy Rick Roman. And Rick passed away uh, from a car accident. Rick Roman used to be in You know Gus. him. He was yeah, He was in yeah. Gus. Him and Paul Tompkins were in a comedy troupe. Yeah. And I still remember one of the funniest bits that I sat there and I just cried was Paul walked on stage pulling rick roman like he was dead and he pulls him up on stage and just lays him there and he starts yelling i told you not to drink i told you not to do drugs now you're dead look at you and i was the crowd was mortified yeah i remember rick yeah because it was just yeah I remember that's that. that was rick's sense of humor right oh, yeah. there that's perfect that's exactly i never well, heard that before. and they, they used to do a bit called lapel meat where they would go on stage with suits because they always wore suits and they were called gus that was their, their team and they would, was mckay in that no, no but but uh they would go the two of them would go up and they'd have meat hanging out hey it's lapel meat and it was just so random and i still remember when adam mckay talked about rick roman's funeral and he was sitting there going yeah you know all of a sudden the uh the, the hearse driver got a little crazy started doing he started doing circles everyone started and he kept going on and we're driving back from a gig in new york and i'm dying because that's how funny it was but i remember rick roman so he was he was in the i'll tell you a quick rick roman story uh you know since i grew up in chicago all these guys like mckay and uh, and besser and ali and all these guys were from another part of the country and came to chicago for the second city and improv world but so these guys weren't around so all of a sudden i always had that split i could stay with the improv guys and gals or i could go back to my buddies from high school college and hang out there on the north side of chicago so one time a friend of mine was having a party from the north side of chicago so i go hey you guys want to go all my improv buddies so mckay rick all the guys from the family showed up and it's a big keg party outside summertime everybody's having a good time well my my friends were like you know we're like looking at all my improv buddies like who are these a-holes that you brought <laughs> they're all doing bits you know Horatio Sands was there you know everybody was doing bits and like stealing the beer and kind of throwing beer on each other and stuff they were like just acting like jerks you know and I was like going come on guys there was like food around I think it was a graduation for one of my friends and I was an idiot and invited him because and, Roman was so freaking Roman obnoxious was so they're all you know Roman was actually walking up to girls and just being like three inches from their face and just staring at him and then just looking at him going you're beautiful you're beautiful you're beautiful well the football guys from these other places are coming up going hey homie who's your d-bags friends over here huh you better get them out of here or we're gonna beat the hell out of them and i'm like going ah all right i'll take care of it just don't start any trouble you know and these guys were brawlers you know and i, I was going nah, nah, don't so i go up to them, i go guys you got to get out of here these guys are gonna beat the hell out of you I told you to take it easy. You're getting free beer and food. And half of that, that was the night. That's all you wanted. If you didn't, you had no money back then. So they do it, and uh, all of a sudden they go, all right, we're leaving. So they bring the car around. Well, somebody's idea must have been Rick's. He goes out, and they all go out the front way, out the back front yard, and they get in the car and leave while Rick Roman stands there, takes off all his clothes, gives it to them, and runs through the party buck naked. (laughs) And they pull around in the back in the alley. 
And he streaks through the whole party. And I'm looking, I see him run by, and he's like, you know, he probably said F you to, to the guy that was being mean to him or whatever. And runs out, and the guy's going, I'm going to kill you. It was ba- it was literally a movie scene. That's so funny. And he's running down the block, and, and so they get in the car, and they take off. And I was like going, that's it. I can never invite you to another party again. <laughs> well, it's true. It's, Parents it's like, are sitting out there, grandmothers. Oh, I think he's naked. Yeah, you it's, it's as you say, when you're in the biz, it's like the civilians. Like, I had my civilian yes, friends. Civilian. And, and even now, I mean, all my friends are civilians. I mean, I mean, I have a Super Bowl party every year, maybe, you know. <laughs> Rich Scheidner might show up one year or Jimmy Schubert might show up, but I don't invite really comics because it's like half the time the comics, I mean, the, don't comics, be on. the comics I know are, you know, that I started with are too big for me now, so they're not going <laughs> to come to my place. They're having a big thing at their thing. And the younger comics, I'm like, these guys are going to come and just eat all the great sure. food my friends bring, my civilian friends, and the good booze. And it's just, it, it's so funny. It's, there's such a difference. <laughs> People know there's such a difference between, like, like we're normal guys, but there's so many comics and improv people that are just idiots yeah. but then on the same vein we have friends who are well, that's why they get idiots those are the kind of people that, right. that, that, that go to those places you know those are the people that are just kind of attracted to it are the crazies are the loons whether they're, they're good at it or not or they, they're really what they are is like they're, they're, they're improv wannabes right. and they just hang out there all the time and then they just become part of the that, that always scares me about like comics like you would sit there and like, people would just sit there and you, they get every show and you go are you going to do comedy no I'm just observing it's like I'm just taking notes and yeah that, that's where it says well don't don't take notes on my act I'm not going to steal yeah. your stuff yeah. maybe <laughs> I mean I might change it and twist it whatever so, so you're in LA now, now how does Beer shark mice, shark beer, whatever it's how now that beer was, shark mice. Because I still remember because I just said my friend Joe Catone was on, and we had this. I just drove by it yesterday. We, we both lived in the same little crappy building on Leland, yeah. and it was like three eighty five for studios. And uh, he would go down there, so I would occasionally. I got out of the business pretty much, and I <coughs> back then, and I I would go to watch him, and I remember he wasn't he wasn't good. I mean, but a lot of the like you guys were the headliners basically. And it was yeah. like, it was like an open mic, and then you guys. But now, how did you guys all? get together in LA and did you guys work together in Chicago? Well, we were all doing the Armando show and Armando was a free form improv with a bunch of people, two different acts, a lot of people. Like I think it was like 10 or 8 on each side and a, and a monologist uh, would, would speak and then you would improvise off of like a, basically a stand-up doing their bits. But a stand-up would come in and just do their stuff and like you don't want that because you got to get a suggestion because it's an improv show. Right. right? Um, which is hard for comics and I get it but Sometimes I feel like comics don't want to improvise a story. Like, come on, you're a comic because you're funny. You're clever. You know, you don't have to just... Well, comics get so stuck in their act. And it's so funny now because the big storytelling thing's coming out. And I, I was on a, on a uh, podcast called uh, Storyworthy with yeah. uh, Hannes Finney and Christine Blackburn. And they have a great concept because they get comics on. They also get imp- improvised. I know Keckner's been on there a few times. Yeah. And what they do is they talk. And then they give you... They turn their mics off and you have to tell a story for five or six minutes and it's a lot different than doing stand-up hell yeah that's but, hard to do but it was great because I'm, I'm actually working on a one-man show about stories of me going to the hospital when i went for my heart disease and you sit there when you tell a story you really have to bear your soul like a comic you can sit there and you can shrug something off if someone doesn't laugh oh yeah whatever i thought it was funny but with a story or improv it's you're, you sometimes you just have to bear your soul and when someone doesn't laugh at that i think internally you get pissed sure you're like, you're like 
No, okay, a bit, whatever, they don't get. But this, like, screw you, I'm, I'm telling a story. Right, well, you just buried your soul right now. I didn't know you had heart disease. Are did. you okay? Oh, yeah. Should I, I, I hold I your hand? No, you I'm right? fine. Okay. All right. Actually, I did miss uh, a few years ago, but I couldn't even get through the show, and I, I was misdiagnosed. What, like a heart attack, or you had like... No, I have, I have congestive heart failure. Oh, really? And uh, But I, it's changed my life. I'm, I'm, I work out now. I'm, I've never been in better shape. Did you used to smoke? Yes. Yeah. And, and here, do you still smoke? No. But I, it's so funny. I sit there, and it's, I was... I went, you I got was, a smoker's... Uh, well, that's just voice. New Jersey. That's just you is know, that what I think. Down deep. Yeah, it's my, it's my spring. Let me tell you yeah. something. Yeah. I remember this guy, Pete Hall, and was, it's <laughs> <laughs> not many. How many knows a Hall? How many knows do your job? I mean, this is stuff my boy, Peter. Do your job. <laughs> but no, uh, Bury the body over here. <laughs> I said here. As- but no, with, with, with the smoking, it always cracks me up because when I walked out of the hospital, it was 20 months ago, I said, I'm never smoking again. Because, I mean, for my condition, I probably could smoke, but then I'm like, no, I don't. Of course, not. I don't want to. But it cracks me up when I see people who they they go to the supermarket and they park like right across, and they get out of their car and they light a cigarette, they take three drags, and they put Throw it away. out. And I'm like, why are you even smoking? And when you have you ever smoked? Were you a smoker? Uh, you know, I used to smoke when and drink once in a while, but no. When you're a smoker, what's amazing when you quit? It amazes your sense of smell Smell and taste comes back and now i sit there and i'll go out to a bar and someone will walk in after smoking and i'm like holy crap why didn't you guys tell me i smell like that it's disgusting well because everybody else was doing it too you know when you're younger that's when you do it and everybody's doing it and probably the improv scene was a big smoking scene oh and when you could drink and smoke in the bars come on it was crazy you whether you whether you went in or not you your jackets and everything would just stink oh yeah so no no, who who was in beer shark mice so beer shark mice uh so anyways we all these guys were doing armando and uh anyways so the guys that i'd always end up hanging out at the bar were these certain guys was was pat finn mike coleman uh dave keckner neil flynn and myself so it was like we were like why don't we just do our own show so i said i want to do our own show i want to come up together and i and i had this idea of of a, of a show that was like a slacker kind of move which was basically you would go in start a scene and as soon as that person you had to find a reason kind of leave and once that person left you could just kind of take over and take the person that was leaving like he goes hey i'm going to go to the pet store and as he's leaving all of a sudden you, you're at the pet store okay you know what i mean so it was like constantly moving and changing without hard edits edits and lights all the time going in and out um and uh uh so it was a lot of fun to do and uh and then all of a sudden it just grew we just we enjoyed it so much and i was like we got to come up with a name for this and and we were like i don't know why don't we call it beer tickets we all like beer you know this that and the other and uh um neil flynn just goes i got it and we were like what and he goes beer shark mice and we were like great that's perfect we'll just use that and it didn't make a difference to me i just wanted a name and i was like if it's good like anything, it doesn't make a difference. Like a band, like you, it just gets catchy. You're like, wow, that really makes a lot of sense. Well, what's amazing is I still, I, I, mean, I, I messed up the yeah. thing, but I still remember it. And I still remember you guys from that long. That's how, I think that's how good you guys were. You really stood out as a team. Because, I mean, you know, comics is different. You remember comics because you work with them. But I wasn't an improv guy. I didn't care. I mean, right. if you asked me any other group, I mean, I would be like, what? But I still remember your guy's name, and it's so funny. And you guys just, I didn't know Keckner was in it, but you guys yeah. had a certain dynamic. You just had a really, you, you clicked really well. Oh, yeah. we. I mean, because we knew each other, we hung out with each other. We kind of knew we could kind of pimp each other to do things. Like if I did a Springsteen or whatever, Keckner did uh, Gerald, you know, you could, you could throw it around. But like... It, it was always fun to do. It was a bowling night, you know. Um, and then, all, then, then we got Paul Valencourt involved with it. It was a great improviser, and he started doing it with us as well, um, because guys couldn't make it all the time. You know, Keckner was getting busy, Flynn was getting busy. Uh, all of us would at times would miss shows, and so we were like, we need another guy. And Valencourt 
unbelievable solid player we were like why don't you come and join us and he is with us now you know and and still to this day we try to do some shows from time to time now um, during this time were you booking commercials because i know you've done a have you done a crap load of commercials yeah, I, it's so funny i was looking at your reel you did a commercial with i unless i'm wrong it was with the kid from Two and a Half Men. Yeah, and I was sitting there, I was <laughs> looking at and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Because he's such a little kid then, and now he's like just some dork. But he's, I mean, once he got older, he just lost. Well, that was tail. before he really did. I think he was just starting out. Yeah, and uh, we did this thing for Home Depot uh, called Treehouse, and we it was a dad trying to build a treehouse for his kid who didn't even know what a hammer was and was able to build a, a treehouse, which was kind of funny. But uh, yeah, and it was funny because I remember meeting him, and I just wonder if he'd ever remember if I ever went up to him and said. Hey, Angus, how you doing? Well, it's funny about that because I had uh, Ken Lerner, who's been an actor forever. He was one of the Malachi brothers on uh, Happy Days. And he did a commercial. And I went on a, uh, a YouTube that he did a commercial with uh, Jim Parsons from yeah. uh, Big Bang Theory. And it's just so funny because he's like, I, and then he later was on Big Bang Theory. And Jim Parsons remembered him. He's like, oh, you play my dad. So I, I think if you play a, a kid, if you play a dad, the kid's going to yeah. remember you. And if you see it over and over again, you're like, yeah, of course I remember that. that was, and it was a well-known spot. People still have it. They still see it on reels today. It's, yeah, which just right. makes me so when did you start booking commercials I mean, I mean oh I was doing it in Chicago I was doing tons of commercials in Chicago that what was, do you think it was because your look did you play a father did you play a young guy because you have a you have a younger look I mean you you, you know you you is that what you were going out, going out for yeah I mean I was I was going out you know at the time I was doing a lot of beer commercials you know but you did a you did a Bud Light you did a, a I did a Bud Light I did a, I did every beer Bud Light old style Coors Light Everything, every what, single one. Bud Dry. What was your Miller what, High Life? You were you had a refrigerator in the one. Did you do something in a refrigerator, or or did you have the Falcon? I know you did something. I remember the Bud Light. I did a Miller Light, and that was the Kung Fu Beer Fu. They called it. Okay. And it was me and Paper Football, and me and this guy Tommy Hines, and we were like playing these guys, and it was all dubbed it's like a like a karate movie. Okay. So our voices were off sync a little bit, and and it was a huge. That thing ran forever, and it was Paper no. Football, and we beat these uh, like karate masters. You know, Chinese you know, karate master guys. off beer commercials because they're, they're so popular. Did uh, people start recognizing you, or I mean, because that happens like you know, did people say, "Hey, I know you, you like that guy"? Yeah, sometimes you know a little bit, but not not really, not as much as you would think. But uh, you know, I, again, like certain times when certain people would get famous, they would just people would always say to me, like, "You look like uh, you look like somebody." You Who know? do you hear? Because you said you like, look you look like people. Well, Springsteen, Springsteen was one. Uh, I used to get Patrick Dempsey. Okay, a lot. I don't. Um, Sean Penn from time to time. I don't see that. I, I, I see people, the Dempsey. I don't see the Penn. Some people say it. I don't know. I hear Abe Vigoda, which I, I, don't, Abe Vigoda. I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't care. We're both bald. <laughs> well, that's the thing too. It's like sometimes you know I could say Telly Savalas. Right. You know, I mean, I put the sunglasses on. I look like Paul Schaefer. You know, yeah. I, yeah. Now that I see. Oh, I, I do a whole thing in my act. I, was do I look say. like a mixture of Larry David and Bruce Willis. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A non-Asian Masuka from Dexter. Bruce Willis. All you got to do is move your lips to yeah. the side. A young, a young Uncle June from The Sopranos, whatever yeah. hat. But so you're doing the commercials, and you're you're making some good money. Yes, yeah. commercials back then. It's like you were you were in the heyday of commercials. Because now I, I heard it's changed a little bit. But you were it in, has in the, changed tremendously. You were you were in the gravy train where it was like you guys oh, got you, everything was. You national. made three of them, and you were set for the year. Right. You know, and uh, you know it was awesome. Voiceovers too, but now it's all changed. Now. I don't want to get on my horse about this, but no, I just please, think- please, because Paul Carafotos came on and he was like sitting. He's an actor. He's been a lot of stuff, and he's like, Hollywood has screwed the guy who just wants to be a working actor. Yeah, well, I think I think it's it's definitely changed. We we all know that. Now I'm a voiceover guy too, and so uh, that's changed because. No, so what are some of your voiceovers you've done? 
uh, everything. A lot of beers, um, Callaway Golf. Okay. Uh, I used to be the voice of Gander Mountain. Uh, um, you know, uh, any a lot of a lot of kids stuff. I do a lot of stuff like that, Hot Wheels and and things like that. Um, uh, so I, I mean, I, I did a little bit of everything, and uh, um, but nowadays it's just really hard to get a voiceover. Uh, cars. I used to get a car a year. I used to do Jeep. I used to do uh, I used to do Amtrak. You know, that's not a car, but I'm uh, everything. You know, you used to get opportunities, and nowadays they don't want the middle class guy anymore. They want the celebrity. Why? How do you know John Cusack does Chevy now? He does right. Chevy. But you know, you did know, you know that? I didn't know that, but I know some of them I watch, and you sit there and you hear the voice. Tim Allen does Chevy. Okay, but you hear John the voice, and Dennis Leary was doing a Ford, Ford, uh, Ford trucks, Ford trucks. Yeah, and I auditioned for the same thing, and they wanted the same guy. Right, and you know, you just had to kind of mimic him, and if and if he wasn't able to do it, then you would do it. Yeah, and it's like big yeah. deal. You know, it's like yeah, but why would you spend all that money? And here's what I came up with: say you're a small uh, independent advertising company, and wherever. Poughkeepsie, wherever, uh, and you get a chance. Say you're in the Midwest and it's cold. You're in Minneapolis, right? You get a chance to fly out to L.A. Who are you going to meet? Guy named Pete Holney, or you get uh, somebody like uh, Bruce Willis, right? Why wouldn't you want to meet them instead? Your idols, you know what I mean? Like, and you can get them. That's and that's the thing. Yeah. The sad thing is, is that people are doing it. Why? Why was it okay for t- uh, movie stars to start doing TV shows, and then TV stars were starting to do commercials? And voiceovers, and same thing with movie stars. Now it's like it's all open. And the reason why is because technology, everybody and anybody can submit an audition nowadays because of an inbox. You can actually do it on your phone nowadays, you know. So uh, I think it was easy. Like that whole Aflac thing, you know, when uh, Gilbert uh, made his comments. but Made his comments and was fired because of the Japanese racist things that he said. They, they fired him. Well, Aflac is a, a big, huge Japanese company. It's like, come on, dude. You got to be a little bit smarter than that. And then again, you could look at it and go, hey, I respect that. What does he care? He's just doing stand-up, right? Right. You could see both sides of it, right? Well, yeah, but, but what's funny about the whole Aflac thing was they said, oh, we're going to cast something completely different. And the damn duck sounds it's exactly the same, the same. It's the same. It's, 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 it's exactly everyone, everyone the same. Does, everyone thinks it's the same duck. How can you and say Aflac, Aflac, any right. different than anybody else? But Aflac, they, Aflac. That guy got, they got him a lot cheaper. They got this guy who's in uh, South Dakota or something, and he just does it out of his little studio. And funny thing is, everyone was probably trying to be different, like, and all of a sudden they said they're and the funny is they have a commercial now which uh is more racist than any comments gilbert made which one is the one where the uh the, the ducks, mafia no the no not that I mean, which you know i grew up in new jersey so I don't, but the, the <laughs> duck the duck is uh doing a different doing a different voices and they're like the guy's like no just doing these different things and i didn't I thought it was a spoof until i actually watched it one time and it was on closed captioning and it's like black boys oh really it's like, it like these real like the terms you're sitting there going so people could see it and they think and that's i'm singing that is the most racist thing yeah that's and it's it's crazy yeah so so now now do you still audition a lot i mean oh i audition all the time uh that's my bread and butter is doing voiceovers and and commercials but they're just harder to get now i don't know why you know i'm on avail availability that's that's the new one now and they say a callback is an all-back. You know, what does that mean? Because an all-back, because they, they used to, back in the day, they'd call back at least eight guys for a, a part. So they were interested in eight guys out of, let's say they auditioned New York, Chicago, L.A. They auditioned over 300 people. They just want eight guys out of that 
now it's like I come back to a, an L.A. audition for a callback. It's like 40, 40 people are called back. 40 people. You can't make up your mind after watching a tape. Right. Who's, you can't hone it down. And then they put, now they put like eight guys on a veil. Okay. Now back in the day, they used to put you on a veil and they used to just have you on a veil and it was between you and another guy. That so was a it. veil meant if you were open. You were going to get it. Okay. And you were the first choice and the other one was the second choice. And if for some reason, the first one has to knock out, then second choice will get it. And that's it. Nowadays, you're on a veil for eight people or whatever. And it's the advertisers have a lot more say on it, and the uh, uh, the director has uh, has no say anymore. Back in the day, the director was the one that was. This is the guy that I want. Right. I don't want anybody else. Well, now these advertisers, people that own you know Johnson's mayonnaise, and they're going in there and they have no clue about anything. We want to spend money on our mayonnaise, and I don't think he looks right. He's. Um, I don't know. He looks like my pig that I have in the backyard, and I don't want that. You know, and they're they're actually having input because they have the money, <clears throat> right? You know, and you're actually listening to them, and they have to do what they say. Well, it's weird, like that. And, and Mad Men, <clears throat> Mad Men has pulled that a lot too about the whole advertiser side, and it's just true. Every every actor I talk to says how it's just it's uh it's just different. It, it's, it used to be like you know, and now with you know, well, everybody wants to be an actor. Like everybody a, wants to be everyone wants know. to be a comedian and you sit there I mean that's what I'm not even doing anymore because you go to a club and they go okay we're going to put 18 acts on and everyone do 6 minutes yeah it's not comedy it's like what's the use there's, of there's, doing 6 minutes yeah there, there's 10 people that suck yeah. there's 6 that are pretty good there's me now, <laughs> and then there's other ones you know but it's just the same thing it's like everyone wants to do it you go and you go in Philadelphia we had 25 comics I mean back in the day it was like you went to open mic and there was everyone went on 25 now it's how much is it there's like Two thousand. I mean, out here, it's insane. I mean, you sit there and go. And well, this is a little bit different because you're in LA, though, right? I mean, yeah, you would think it would be more than you know. How, how's, how's the improv scene though? Is there is there a lot more improv people popping up? Oh yeah, yeah. Or do mean, a lot of them suck? Well, not only that, but they used to. You know, they send people there just to be creative. They send creatives from advertising companies. Always, they send them to improv things. But now it's like uh, producers and and executive producers are going to take improv classes. Or if you want to get into that, you have to do that just so you can be around it, so you get it, you know. Um, and it's it's a young younger game kind of thing, uh, but it doesn't really change that much if it's not good, you know. I look at some of the things today; more of it is in your face and kind of hurtful comedy, improv stuff, than it than it was when we were doing it. And I don't mind the edginess, but it better be damn funny, right? If if you're gonna be edgy, have a reason. And if, you know, if, if you're just being edgy to be, that's the worst. When you just be edgy to be edgy, it's not funny. And I, I don't want to name names, but there's things where people just try to change things to, just change things. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to point, point my. Now finger. come on. I, well, I was looking at, I, I saw we, something. We have, we have six minutes left. Point, I, point a finger. I, I want you to point one finger because you're, you're a pro. I remember, I mean, I remember you guys from years ago, and, and you guys have all done well. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, we, um, I came up with a lot of great guys, and when you improvise with great people, you, you, it, it wears be, off on you. It's good. You're just going to be good, and everybody, everybody stepped up their game. You know, when you were around that many great, talented people. I mean, everybody from UCB, those guys, Amy Poehler and, and uh, uh, Tina uh, Fay uh, from McKay. To Favreau, to uh, uh, Steve Carell was at Second City at the time. Uh, I didn't really get to play with him that much. Uh, Colbert, you know, uh, those guys. I mean, Keckner, uh, Mike Myers, Farley, all those guys were around. So it's like you had to step up your game. Mitch Rouse, I mean, I could go on and on for days. Um, so anyways, th- th- my whole point is like there was such a people wanting to be the best. 
And if you want to be the best, and it wasn't malicious in any way, people were just trying to, to improvise and just do their best work, and people respected that, you know? Uh, and that's what I think what makes a good improviser. And today, I just feel like it's just so simple. You know, it's like people are just like, I don't know, they're doing it just so they can get a credit and go, yeah, I was at Second City. Yeah, I was at Improv Olympic and UCB. Um, yeah, I'm really good. Now, give me a TV show. Right. And I give it to them. You know, look at the Honey Boo Boos and Duck Dynasty. I'm sorry. What is that? That's TV? That's, well, that's just... You're opening up your door, door and window to watch... That's the stupidity of America. It is. I mean, it, it's it's a matter of, you know, it's people sit there and people don't want to think. It's how bad this country is now. That people don't want to think. You know, like when I was a kid, we thought about TV. We watched All in the Family. We didn't get it all, but we thought we knew it was funny. Now people just, they don't want to well, decipher anything. Well, because, they cancel shows right away. Oh yeah, because there's, there's internet. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's so funny. It used to be a show would go for 13 episodes, you know, and then 23 episodes. Now... Well, they would kind of let it build its legs, right. like like Seinfeld. And Cheers. They almost canceled that. Cheers was another, two of my two great shows. And now the two episodes, you're out. Yeah. I mean, I did I did this show, American Body Shop, on Comedy Central. Nick Offerman was on the show, uh, and uh, it was a great show. It was a funny show. It, we got 10 episodes, and they just they canceled it like that uh, because of Carlos Mencia. Now, Which, you, where is he now? What do you think of him? I've, I've heard he's a big thief. I, I don't know him personally, but that's... Just... I grew up listening to Bill Cosby. That was my favorite. I used to fall asleep listening to Bill Cosby albums, himself and everything else. And when I hear his jokes you side think? by side, I'm like, are you kidding me? How can you steal from the best and then think it's your own? That's ballsy, though. Ballsy. It's when just... you sit there and go, you go, okay, I'm going to steal from the best and no one's going to call me out in it because they're thinking, he can't be stealing from the best. And that's the truth. Well, so, at least you got to take your hat off and go, you know what the best is. Right. And I, I, guess. I, I know. That's funny. So, no, so, so the, uh, the show got canceled, and, but it was, a, it, was a, it was a good show. It was a good show. It was about mechanics. Uh, and Comedy Central, for some reason, will not release it. They won't let it out and people can't see it. See, that sucks. I don't understand that. Why wouldn't you put it on reruns at one o'clock in the morning? Yeah, because and morning. even now, because there's there's YouTube and, and like, Nick Offerman's famous, right? And there's Netflix and there's uh, Hulu. You think they you could find it? You can't. That sucks. We have a few minutes left. Uh, are you still? Are you, you still do the improv? You still well, get together with the guys? Well, that's or? the thing too. It's like you know, it's it's a it, it was a bowling night. You know, when you'd go out and improvise with your buddies, you'd show up. You're you're. It was no big deal. You'd have a few beers. You'd go up on stage. You'd make each other laugh. You'd come off. You'd have a few more beers and you'd go home. You know, uh, and I miss it. And I don't do enough of it anymore. It's like when an artist stops doing their art, what happens? Right. You know what I mean? It's like if you stop doing stand-up, it's not any fun. See, I, I stopped doing it a long time. Now I get back on it. Now I'm stopping it again because it's not any fun to me anymore. But well, how come? Why is it? It's because it's just, eh, I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like driving to do seven minutes. <laughs> I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to do, you know, and it's just a matter of, that's why I'm producing a one-man show I'm working on. That, that way I can talk for an hour. You know, yeah. but, but you just because you, you want to flex your muscles, but when you it's like flexing your muscles with an extra large shirt, you know, like you can't you're like sitting there going, well, this is all crap around me. They're yelling at the audience and doing this and not doing stand up. Right. You know? I did an old time joke one time. I mean, someone puts on Facebook. Oh, I can't believe one comic stole that joke from Bette Mittler. I'm like, no, I stole it from the sound man at the Comedy Factory outlet in 1990 who stole it from Milton Berle. It's called an old joke. There's 12 people in the audience. I'm, I have a longer set than all you guys. The crowd's. You couldn't get the crowd. I have the crowd. I want to keep them going. And that's the thing now. Everyone's like so judgmental. And they're all, it's just. Well, it's everybody like, I'm like, is. I'm like, yeah. Because everybody wants the easy way to do it's anything. Just, it's, it's You know? But it, but it's a sad thing when, you, when you're when you not doing your art because that's what it's all about. I remember we, Beer Shark Mice went out and did uh, 
the Austin Comedy Festival. And we did it. We had a great time. We taught a couple classes. We did huge venues, 300 people, and uh, did a show. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. And then afterwards, we, we ran into Scott Atzett. He was doing a two-man show there. And he came up and he goes, hey, man, uh, you guys still improvising? You, uh, how are you getting your fix? And I was like, yeah, we're not really doing it that much. Right. <laughs> but he's right. How do you get your fix anymore? It's like, I, get, I get it from this. Because I, yeah, I, 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 I can talk to creative people, so my, it always stimulates my sure. my brain. Like, the Tuesdays is like the best days I have. Because I, I get well, you're welcome. people. Yeah, I, 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 I see you though. writing a lot of notes over there. Are you putting a stand-up bed together? <laughs> yeah, no, actually, <laughs> it's, a, it's a guy I'm going to promote. Uh, but anyway, we, we gotta, we got to wrap up. Okay. How can people get? In, do you have a website, anything like that? Uh, Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. But you never go on Facebook. I was lucky to catch you on Facebook. I know. I don't really go on there that much. Just because. It's, is it Facebook or Bragbook? When uh, yeah, people exactly. go, had a really busy day today. I always say what I do. Question know. mark. I know, but you know those people that are well, like, yeah. oh my god. Anyway, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you very it was much. Great. It was great talking Thanks to you. Thanks for having me. And this guy does the best Springsteen. Please check him out on YouTube, man. You got to go to Pierre Holnay. Uh, do your job. It's it's the it's the classic Springsteen. Also, follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. Also, follow my friend Scott Freeman uh, at Comedy Scott. He's the uh, morning man out there. Morning man out there in Atlantic City. Go to CooperTalk.net. I have about two hundred and twenty five episodes up. Also, if you have an uh, smartphone, go to the Google Play Store and you can download the Cooper Talk app. You can get all my episodes there. Send me an email, Cooper Indy one hundred. That's i n d i u dot com. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Steve Cooper. My only hip is my guest. And uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to uh, go and I'm going to get some lunch. That's what I'm going to do. When we're done, I'm going to get lunch. And uh, drink your water. Take your uh, vitamins. Eat your vegetables. Be healthy. Have a wonderful weekend. I am out here. Take that.